Hi, this is Jason Graves, host of The Blazing Grace Show. I'd like to introduce you to a product that I firmly believe should be used in every home in America. It's called SafeEyes. SafeEyes is the only software you'll need to protect you and your family from inappropriate content on the Internet. Over the last couple of years, I've tried several products and have never found anything as fast, effective, and affordable as SafeEyes. I now only use SafeEyes, and I recommend it to everybody I talk to all over the country. You don't have to take my word for it, though. SafeEyes was recently ranked as the number one internet filtering software by the most well-known product testing company in America, alongside 10 other products. No credit cards are necessary. To start your 15-day risk-free trial today or to learn more about SafeEyes, visit their website at SafeEyes.com or call toll-free 877-944-8080. You'll be glad you gave SafeEyes a try. I know I sure am. That's SafeEyes.com, 877-944-8080. Counselors, business owners, nonprofits, and trainers, you need unlimited flat-rate conference calling? Then call our good friend Tom Parker at Affordable Conferencing, where his teleconferencing service allows you to conduct unlimited calls for one flat monthly fee. That means no more per-minute, per-person charges. Go to AffordableConferencing.com or simply call toll-free 888-968-6186. He saved Jason and Rob thousands. That's Tom Parker at Affordable Conferencing, 888-968-6186. They're proud to bring you today's broadcast. Now it's time for this week's edition of the Blazing Grace Show with your host, Rob McIntyre, Jason Graves, and Mike Janung. It's sponsored by AffordableConferencing.com and SafeEyes. Thanks for tuning in to the Blazing Grace Show, where we cover blazing issues with grace-filled answers. Now, here's your hosts, Rob, Jason, and Mike. Here we go once again with the Blazing Grace Show. Thanks for tuning in. We're visiting with Marsha Muse today, and this is Jason Graves, of course, with my co-hosts, Mike Janung and Rob McIntyre. Thank you, Jason, for enunciating me appropriately this time. <laughs> and then this time I wasn't in the middle. I was at the end. Well, we like to mix it up. You're not the chosen one today. That's the problem. That's oh, right. Well, who is? Isn't Jason the chosen one? He's always the chosen one. Okay. <laughs> Gosh, you sound like a bunch of siblings. Goodness. Goodness. Well, Mike, we've got a special guest today. Yes, and Marsha Means is a Christian counselor and the author of Living With Your Husband's Secret Wars, a book on how women can cope with the devastation that comes with being married to a man who struggles with sex addiction. Marsha went through her own struggle with his wife as a wife of a sex addict and today ministers to many women who are hurting. She has a website at www.awomanshealingjourney.com. So, Marcia, you want to tell us what you went through in your own marriage to a man who struggled with sex addiction? Sure, I'd like to share that. I married a man that um, I had known since I was a little girl, and when I married him, he was open and honest with me about the struggle in his life, and he had been married previously, and he shared what his addiction to pornography had cost him, cost him his ministry, his family, his reputation. And he was starting life over when we reconnected after years of living in different parts of the world. So I was very naive. I'm a PK, but I was naive about sex addiction. And when he explained his addiction to me and where that had taken him beyond pornography, I assumed that because his heart was soft, God had forgiven him, he was being careful, that would be the end of it. Years later, uh, after we'd been married for a long time and were in ministry together in this particular arena about Mm. sex addiction, uh, 
things began to go awry, and um, evidence showed up of something happening that was moving him back towards the addiction, and ultimately that he confessed his sin, and sadly, I lost that marriage Mm. a little over a year ago, a man that will always be a part of my heart, a man that I love, and and I trust that God will restore him to the practice of of sharing his heart with God's children mm-hmm. at, in his time. Mm-hmm. But God has been my husband in the last year, and that's been wonderful. Amen. That's awesome. And, you know, Marsha, uh, most women go through a profound struggle with self-esteem and their husband's um, porn addiction. And uh, speak to the guy out there who says, oh, you know, porn isn't a big deal and, and, and why this is so. Okay. I hear that a lot. In fact, I sat across a lunch table from a pastor's wife recently, and she said, but pornography is a victimless crime. Mm-hmm. And right. interestingly, um, well, let me just answer that your question first. It devastates a woman's heart. It, right. The first evidences I saw of the addiction in my marriage was just, you know, vagrant, open lust, and that it might as well have been hearing that he'd been a prost- to a prostitute the night before, it shattered me. I, it's about betrayal, and I understand that men and women view sex and our relationships very differently. And we're trying to learn to understand how men are wired, but it, I think it's really important that husbands are open to the fact that the way their wives are wired, even open lust, even pornography, hurts her as deeply right. as an affair. Right. You know, Marsha, um, I, I, I come from a similar background as you, you talked about your husband and my wife. Uh, you know, we've, I've been in recovery for over five years and, uh, you know, she still struggles with anger. And, mm. and, and, and I'm sure with some of the stuff that you've gone through, you've had to deal with your anger. How should the wife of a sex addict deal with her anger and hurt? Um, why don't you answer a question for me before I try sure. to answer that? Are you talking about initially when she's just learned of the problem, or are you talking about why don't years you, later? When yeah, why don't you do both? Why okay. Well, initially, at least for the first several months, I believe that, as does Fred Stoker, the author of Every Man's Battle, that a husband needs to be able to give his wife room for her anger. He needs That's to good. be able to let her vent that as long as it isn't abusive, of course. Mm-hmm. But but ultimately, we have to find some way to deal with our anger, just as our husbands are having to find some way to deal with their addiction. And I believe we have an addiction of our own eventually if we stay in a relationship where the sex addiction continues, and, and that is obsessing about what you guys are obsessing about, mm-hmm. and that, that fuels the anger. So having a place, if, if her anger continues, it's very helpful. If she has her own process going on mm-hmm. on the side, her own support sure. group, her own actual process that she's moving right. through that will help her grow. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like she wasn't driving when the uh, car went into the ditch. She was. But in the wreck, mm-hmm. she's sustained injuries of her own and she needs a recovery process of her own and you know every wife is different you know maybe your injuries where you just got your leg banged up but maybe you hit your head on the dashboard Mm. and i think it's really important that in this 
setup where the guy is getting all the resources, all the attention, all the focus on him, and, and yet he was the bad guy, that uh, there, we be, be careful and not let things become unbalanced. Right. So, I mean, does, is that a fitting metaphor, you think? I believe it is. And, in fact, I wish I had a, a whiteboard that we could use and people could see it because right. there's a simple little <laughs> diagram that I try to diagram for women as I explain this. It's like a husband and wife are standing two stick figures right beside each other at the beginning when this thing comes out, usually very enmeshed around the addiction. Right. And he's being directed to kind of take a little bit of a fork in the road, not totally away from her, but a fork that will put him on his own parallel recovery path. Mm-hmm. And hopefully he'll have brothers that will walk with him in that and, and he'll progress along that path. But if she doesn't take a fork in the other direction and get her own recovery path right alongside his, like two railroad tracks, he's going to outgrow her and she's going to stay stuck in right. the anger and the addiction of obsessing about him. So it, it's it's hard to be married to even a recovering sex addict. It's a yeah. challenge. I think it's a lifelong challenge, and we need lifelong work of our own. Right. Marcia, when that man does take that fork, does that have a tendency of exposing the insecurity and low self-esteem that the woman is already going through? If he takes the fork towards recovery, is that what you mean? Right. Um, I don't. I think that's probably a different answer for different women. I haven't run into that a lot, though I'm sure there are some women who would just assume no one finds out. Because what I'm thinking, what I, what I hear sometimes is, is a guy starts getting healthy, and like you said, the whole the marriage was a mess around that sex addiction. Yes. It, it was a mess around that, that, that mess. Mm-hmm. So when all these pieces start pulling apart the old coping mechanisms don't mm-hmm. work anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. And she she's forced to find new ones, too. Or She is, yeah. It's like a dance. If he's going to be dancing different mm-hmm. steps, she's right. not going to be able to dance the old ones and make mm-hmm. it work. Wow. You know, Marcia, you talk about the great gift of forgiveness on your website and, and, you know, how powerful that is for us as believers. But as you know you know, uh, that could become kind of a sickness as well, yeah. that there's no boundaries. So when should a wife forgive and why? Well, I think God's Word holds the best answer to that, not me. But um, let me just preface my response by saying forgiveness doesn't equal forgetting. Mm-hmm. Um, forgiveness is a command, something we're commanded to do. It can take a long time. Mm-hmm. It can be a slow process where you forgive parts of, of transgressions. But we are commanded to forgive, but that doesn't mean that everything's going to be wiped out of our memory. But um, for me, the thing that helped me forgive was reading Bold Love. I believe that's by Dan Allender. It happened Mm -hmm. to be on our bookshelves. I hadn't read it. And I devoured that book. Hmm. And and the, the author calls us as Christians to love boldly, mm-hmm. and he shows us through the Bible how Jesus and, and God love us boldly, even though we're very unlovable for someone who's pure and righteous and holy. And and it made, just reading that book and putting it to work in my own life made the forgiveness process really quite simple. And I'm, that's a book I would recommend to every single woman who knows her husband's struggles. And you have an example of that, um, of, of forgiveness, 
uh, if you could just share that with uh, with us. Sure. Well, I think I think that forgiveness not only is it a spiritual thing, but just on a practical human level, it really helps make life simpler. Um, especially if you're if you are still married, and particularly if you still have children in the home, when forgiveness is present, there can be love and blessing and joy and and peace and and calmness. But even in my case, where my marriage is no longer a reality, I had a personal reflect a personal thing happening this very weekend. I haven't seen my husband and since a year ago, October, Hmm. and I got an email from him last week that his mother was near death, Hmm. and I happened to be traveling to the city where she lived to do a seminar for partners of sex addicts, and I asked if I could visit her, and he emailed back that I could and suggested that we catch up as well. By the time I got there, she had had a massive stroke, and I was unable to to visit with her and do the closure I had hoped for. But my husband was alone beside her bed, and that was the first time I'd seen him for 13 months. And I was so glad that God had enabled me to forgive him and and him to forgive me if he had anything he felt like he needed to forgive me for. Because walking into that room and being alone there with him as a friend and uh, someone who cares deeply about what he's going through, the forgiveness made it possible to really care, really love him, really be his friend. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to the, the funeral next weekend and facing my stepchildren and relatives. And if forgiveness hadn't been possible, that probably wouldn't be possible, or at least yeah. it would be very painful. Well, mm-hmm. I just really admire you for that. I mean, mm-hmm. that has got to be really tough. And I don't know if I would have the same uh, strength of character, Marcia, to, to do that in that position. So, And I just uh, just am finding myself identifying with, with him that that must have meant a great deal to him. So, I mean, good for you, and, and, and thank inspiring. you for just mm-hmm. being real about, about that example. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious— uh, on the flip side, okay, so you're a person who's, uh, in my estimation, done very well in terms of uh, having good boundaries and dealing with this very appropriately and, and being strong. Uh, how do some women, on the flip side, actually enable their husbands to continue in porn addiction, sex addiction of all kinds? I think Christian women in particular have a struggle with not enabling hmm. Um, I sit with women every few weeks as I do another seminar, and I hear the, the stories that carry the same themes. You know, they've, they've tried everything. I, I went through all the same stuff myself for years. Um, it, we, we try praying it away. We, we try to spiritualize the problem. We try to control the problem. We, try to, yeah. and we get enraged and try to control it. That We try everything we can think of. We try to seduce our husbands to mm. keep them from going towards the addiction. Right. Mm. Um, but ultimately, what, what Christian women and, and what pastors need to realize is we're called to be our husband's helpmate, and we abdicate our role as his helpmate if we enable, if, if we don't call him to accountability for living the way he's directed to as a godly man. Just as the laws of reaping and sowing are throughout the Bible, uh, they're in our lives as well, and, and they're given to us as examples in the Bible so that we'll know how to live our lives. Matthew 18, the principle of confronting. 
a brother or sister who's in sin. It's all there. And women don't have to feel bad or guilty about confronting sin that's destroying their husband's ability to be a godly man, destroying their them and their relationship in their home. Hmm. Can you tell us what that accountability should look like in a marriage? Or what it should not look like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, boy, that's a big question <laughs> for a, 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 a one-minute answer, but... It, it you know it really depends on the situation. It depends on the hardness of the man's heart. Whether I mean some husbands are going. If a wife confronts him, if she does it calmly, it needs it needs to be calm. It needs to be thought through. I uh, encourage women to type it out mm-hmm. so that they don't get off track, so they don't get enraged. So that most husbands are going to try to maneuver the conversation in a different direction and make it about her. So she needs. She needs to know where she's going, and she needs to stay on that path. But that's a t- that's a big order. So if a woman needs someone with her to m- help her with that, if her husband's particularly hard-hearted, then I encourage her to do it maybe in her counselor's office or his counselor's office or en- enlist her, her pastor to help if he's open to that. Um but the, the results aren't going to happen unless it's done calmly, thoughtfully, mm-hmm. and prayed about in advance. That's mm-hmm. that's good advice. That's that's real good advice. And that, as a therapist, that's all I usually say because uh, most women would need that that encouragement, that backing. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's mm-hmm. really good, Marsha. Now, Marsha, you do get to travel around and, and minister to a lot of women. And uh, what do you hear women saying about the church? And um, you know. Do they do they talk about a safe place to share their struggle? What do you see going on out in the body of Christ right now for women getting care and even helping them be empowered to address this issue with their husbands? Okay. I think the church is lagging behind, way behind, and there are there are churches, especially larger churches that have started celebrate recovery ministries, they'll often have a, a group for men who struggle, and occasionally there will be a group for partners. But by and large, it's struggling. And, and again, this weekend, as I went to uh, an area of about 200,000 in our, our state, I did finally find a church that would allow me to rent a room, but I had to work really hard to find a church that would let me rent a room. And when I did find it, I had to go behind the pastor's back. Basically, there was somebody on staff who has a heart. And most of the women in the church that he talked to that he knew were living with this were terrified of even coming. They didn't come. Mm. Just a handful came. But, but the one that really broke my heart was a deaf woman. Mm. She and her husband are both deaf. They've been missionaries for many, many, many years overseas to the deaf. And when his addiction was exposed, you know, they were really shamed. She mm. wouldn't come to the seminar, but I did tell her that I would go to service and meet with her after church. She didn't want anyone to see us, so we sat in her car where no one would know what we were talking mm. about. But she shared with me the years of shaming, the the years of not being able to find help, and even in this huge church that I had rented a room from the day before, she was terrified of telling the, the pastoral staff because they do not want, in their words, 
their church to be a hospital. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Mm. Well, what is it? Yeah. Well, okay, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm going to get angry now. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, in my Tell mind, to... it's not full of pews. It's full of gurneys with bleeding yeah. people, and they have a hospital whether they see it or not. Right. And... I wonder what Clara Barton would have to say about that one, huh? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. when restored, when healed, when empowered, when Absolutely. you know, we can become the Peters, the Pauls, and all Absolutely. the apostles, and yeah. Mary Magdalene, if there was no hospital mentality there. Yeah. 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 Okay, don't Amazing. get me going. We don't have time. <laughs> Put the rider act down. Well, okay, I'm trying. <laughs> if we have time, I'd like to get going for just a minute on a topic around that. Go ahead. All right. Um, I was living in Brazil for half of the year last year. After my marriage ended, I, I was really sick about the time it ended. And my son lives in Brazil, and you can live very cheaply in Brazil. And I needed to not work in order to get well. Mm-hmm. But I took my laptop with me and, you know, continue to communicate communicate with people. And one day early last spring, while sitting there at a card table in my apartment in Brazil, someone, they didn't tell me who they were, someone sent me an email, and it simply said, I thought you found, might find this interesting. Hmm. And I opened it up, and it opened to a newspaper, an online newspaper article from Lawrence, Kansas, And it was the story of a Christian man who was addicted to pornography. And over the years, it evidently got worse. His his wife was a university uh, librarian, so obviously an educated woman who Mm -hmm. knows how to use the Internet and check files. But he had ultimately, uh, and this also (laughs) touches another passion of mine, the victimless crime thing that we hear around pornography his, his victimless crime mentality had ultimately taken him to strangle his wife to death oh, in, in their wow. bed with their junior high children in bedrooms nearby who heard their mother mm. die Ugh. because he ha- was having an affair actually with numerous women at the same time, but one he, that had moved to his town so they could get married. And, and he was quoted, and the article went on about the the hearings and the investigations, and um, it quoted him as saying, I knew if I divorced her, I could no longer be on our Christian school board. So I didn't have any choice. But, you know, that that woman, the, the article said that when the investigators did the investigation in the house, they found a book called Living With Your Husband's Secret Wars. Hmm. Obviously, that's why someone sent me that article. Right. But that tells me that though that woman hadn't shared this with her pastor, she hadn't, you know, gone to her church for help. She knew, and she had ordered at least one book to help her deal with it. And and it, I was so touched by that that this that this woman knew, but she didn't ask for help soon enough. Right. And the victimless crime turned into a murder. Absolutely. And women's lives truly are at stake here. And I think it's important for we as men who deal with this ministry and pastors to break out of this misogynistic kind of mentality that basically is uh, being passive about a a very real problem. I mean, this guy really gives the uh, the meaning to why infidel is the root word of infidelity. Mm. I mean, he turned against his own family. And if we as men in the church and the pastors cannot stand up to these things and address this problem in our churches and in our culture, I mean, we're we're all goners. So, I mean, I'm just so thankful. I, I... 
that you that you did that, but I'm I'm also thankful that even though this woman's life uh, was was ended tragically, mm. that she had the guts to go get help. Yeah. Because uh, you know what would it have been if she hadn't, and if she had lived, it would have been years mm. of further torture. Now, as we kind of wind down a little bit, um, and I, I really wish we had more time to mm. do another whole show with you, Marsha. But um, you know, uh, there are many women out there who are in recovery and in co-recovery, if you will. And, you know, their husbands are, you know, getting free and getting healthy and they're kind of being launched into their own redemptive vision, if you will, and and recovering to some pretty great things uh, rather than just staying in, in the mentality of recovering from some pretty yes. horrible things. Yes. And I'm just wondering, could you cast some vision a little bit for, for the women out there in terms of what are some things that they can be recovering to and what are some opportunities out there that the Lord has, has for people like you? I mean, not everybody's going to go into counseling like you have, but there's some pretty big opportunities out there, aren't there? There, there are. And God is leading, leading me away from counseling, mm. interestingly. He's really mm. laid it on my heart to come alongside and equip churches, but equip women, mm. equip men to be able to become missionaries to the others around them, if mm-hmm. you will. Right. This problem is so huge, we're going to have to attack it exponentially, right. or it's it's already destroying us. Right. So I wish I could speak to every woman who hears this and say, please sit down with me. I can tell you what you can do. I can help you be equipped to feel capable to do it. God has given you a, a job. So... There's a lot women can do. I obviously, mm-hmm. I can't t- say that in, in a minute, but right. I, maybe later we can talk again. Right. And do you have any just final uh, parting words for women who are in a relationship with, with a guy who's gone through recovery and, you know, like even our wives? Because I know that this self-deception is a big part of this, Marsha, mm-hmm. and I don't want to pretend that I've got my act together so mm-hmm. well that, you know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. you know, impervious. What would you say to my wife? about uh, how she can, you know, be supportive even as we're getting in these advanced stages here. Well, if she can just love you and come alongside you again as your helpmate, mm-hmm. um, allow you to have your own accountability people if if you want others, which I would encourage rather than nag or, you know, question, mm-hmm. but but obviously the signs show up early. She right. also needs be very aware of what those are so that right. things go awry, she can get help early. So just support and awareness. Yeah. Well, I just want to thank you for being here. We're out of time, but uh, hopefully we can have you again sometime. Thank you, guys. You bet. God thanks, bless Marcia. you, Marsha. And thanks for tuning into the Blazing Grace Show. Tune in next week when we have two former sex offenders on our show. Thanks for tuning in. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Blazing Grace Show. Today's broadcast is sponsored in part by AffordableConferencing.com and SafeEyes.com. Visit them on the Internet. Blazing Grace is a listener-supported broadcast intended to help reach listeners worldwide. Your support is vital to keeping Blazing Grace able to minister. If you can help with a tax-deductible contribution, it would be greatly appreciated. You can send your contribution to Blazing Grace, P.O. Box 62521 Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80962-2521. That's Blazing Grace, P.O. Box 62521, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80962-2521. More information, visit on the web at blazinggrace.org, B-L-A-Z-I-N-G-G-R-A-C-E dot O-R-G, 
forward slash radio dot htm. There's also a downloadable copy of the broadcast available for you. If you want help resolving a sexual or pornography addiction, you can schedule a therapy appointment with Rob McIntyre. His number is 877-593-1166. Jason Graves can be reached at 877-590-7685. Again, Rob McIntyre can be reached at 877-593-1166. Jason Graves can be reached at 877-590-7685. If you have questions about Blazing Grace, you can email Mike at Mike at BlazingGrace.org. We look forward to sharing more Blazing Issues and Grace-filled answers with you next time. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you.